All right, let's shift our focus to baseball. Uh, one of the sharpest guys around uh, that I've worked with now for a couple of years, Radio.com's own uh, Tim Kelly, who not only follows his favorite team, which are the uh, guys in red pinstripes, uh, but he knows exactly what's going on and is ahead of the game, ahead of the curve as far as free agency and what we may see uh, in 2021. He lives baseball. Timmy, how are you, my friend? Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I'm doing very well. It wouldn't be a holiday if me and you weren't talking baseball between the hours of 12 and 5 in the morning. <laughs> well, we've got a huge baseball audience uh, that are li- that's listening uh, to us right now. Uh, let everybody know, before we get into anything, where they can find everything that you write on Radio.com and, and everywhere else. Well, you can find it on Radio.com, Radio.com slash sports. Uh, one of my articles right now is actually on the front page of WFAN's website, talking mm-hmm. about potential landing spots for Yadier Molina. And then I also cover the Phillies for philliesnation.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Kelly Sports. All right, let's, let's go right to free agency. You, uh, you have the piece here on Yadier Molina. The catching position is, is interesting because of the level of catchers that are available and the, and the different kind of teams that are looking for catching help. Let's start with JT Realmuto, a guy you know very, very well. We've been discussing this whole thing since the negotiations and the, uh, the arbitration hearing way back when. It seems like it was years ago, but it was you know during spring training when Realmuto went to Arizona from Clearwater during spring training. They went out to Arizona to, 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 uh, to the arbitration hearing, and he lost. I, I was there when he got back, and I said, and you know, I've said this publicly all along. I've said it on the air. His body language and just the look on his face when he came back from losing an arbitration hearing, it didn't seem right to me. It, he was just a little off. The organization, the Phillies organization, you know, really took a strange tact. Uh, as far as getting him re-signed, he is the prize free agent as far as the catching position is concerned. Uh, Tim, the Mets have a new owner with deep pockets. Uncle Steve uh, has no fear. At least this is, you know, from, uh, from, the, from the surface anyway, it looks like he's got no fear of writing a check, and it doesn't matter how big. How important is Real Muto? for the Phillies to overpay and not lose him to Uncle Steve and the Mets in Queens? Well, I mean, there's no way around it. If the Phillies lose J.T. Real Muto, they're going to be a worse team in 2021. The question just is, do you want to commit five or six years? J.T. Real Muto is the best catcher in the sport right now. I don't think there's much of a debate on that. The question is, what is J.T. Real Muto going to be in three years? And if he follows kind of the route of Buster Posey and Joe Maurer and a lot of these guys, he will likely, at least in a part-time role, have to shift away from catching. And his value as an offensive player goes down significantly if he's playing first base or DHing if that's available in the National League at that time. I I think this most likely does come down to the Phillies or Mets. But the one thing is there hasn't been much reported on the market. Yadier Molina, as you mentioned, we've heard five teams now interested in him. Really hasn't been anything so far on JT Real Muto. So, my sense is this may come down to who's willing to wait things out longer. I think the Mets are more than willing to write a check. It just depends whether this is the check Steve Cohen wants to write. Maybe they instead pivot to sign James McCann to catch and go after 
George Springer, and maybe they target another major star in a trade like Nolan Arenado or Francisco Lindor. I, I do look at this, though, and I lean towards thinking he goes to the Mets. It's pretty clear he's going to go to wherever offers the largest deal. And I, I thought even till the middle of this past season that it was really unlikely he left the Phillies. But you're right, it's been very strange, and the tone that the Phillies used after quarantine, after baseball's quarantine, changed completely on JT Real Muto. So I asked Andy McPhail, the Phillies president, about this a few weeks ago. He said they really haven't been close in discussions they've had, but essentially they think he's going to go out to the market and kind of going to be pulled back to earth. We'll see if that happens. It's a dangerous risk for the Phillies and could be successful for the Mets. You just mentioned uh, that, and we're talking to Tim Kelly, Radio.com Sports on baseball. You just mentioned that JT Realmuto is the best overall catcher, at least the consensus is, that he's the best overall catcher in Major League Baseball. Now, when you think about it, you know, James McCann, who is also a free agent, Molina is going to be probably in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I, I, I'll go out on a limb and say he's a future Hall of Famer and is probably the third best catcher uh, on the market this offseason. But there is a depth, really, Tim, when you think about it, at the catching position all around baseball. You've got the Rene Rivera's, uh, you know, and the, uh, uh, you know, the Maldonado's, and, and that, that level of catcher, but really – and I don't even see in, in, in many organizations, if, unless you want to consider, you know, Gary Sanchez still uh, a, a work in progress, but the catching position all around baseball, I'm not seeing any organization outside of, of, of the established veterans, I'm not seeing any youngsters that people are talking about and saying, that's a big-time catching prospect. Why? very hard position to develop both offensively and defensively and to kind of get into that routine with pitchers and gain that trust. And I, I do think it's one of those things where, like we've seen with Gary Sanchez, is if he has trouble at the plate, it carries over defensively or vice versa. And the guys like JT Real Muto that you know what you're getting from them every year offensively at that position, or they're just so rare in the sport which is why when one of them becomes available, teams flock. There's a good free agent market of catchers, but make no mistake, there is a significant drop-off from one to two in that market because there are just so few offensive catchers in this sport that can carry a team for a while, and JT Real Muto right this minute is one of those guys. Let's shift our focus then to the rest of the free agent uh, crop that we have out there. George Springer is another guy that, you know, would really look good in a Met uniform. But having Alex Cora back with the Boston Red Sox as their manager, how much is that going to play, do you think, and maybe Springer, who is very comfortable with Cora, having uh, had him in, in Houston as a coach, is this going to come down maybe to Boston, who loses Jackie Bradley in free agency? Is it between the Red Sox and Mets? I think any free agent is between the Mets if the Mets decide that's their number one target this offseason. But we know they're not going to sign Real Muto, Springer. Like they're not going to sign. They maybe sign two of the four big guys. They're not signing every single one of them. So we'll see what happens with the Mets. My guess is that it comes down to the two Sox teams, the White Sox and the Red Sox. I didn't even think of the Alex Cora connection. That's good. Obviously, they took a ton of flock for 
trading away Mookie Betts this past offseason. So we'll, we'll see what happens there, but I think he lands with one of the two Sox teams, and I think you're right. The Red Sox are probably more likely, and his long-term value, he can still play center field right now. How a deal ages with him is tied to how many more years he's able to play both center and right field. DJ LeMahieu, Yankees' number one priority. Uh, and the question is, are any other teams for a 32-year-old guy who, yes, has been probably the best player on the Yankee team for the last couple of years, uh, kind of snuck through free agency a couple of years ago. Yankees got him on the cheap, got a lot out of him. Uh, but yet he's still he's not a young man. Going forward, looking again for a multi-year deal, is this really the Yankees guy to lose, or is there legitimate interest from several other clubs around baseball? I think it's the Yankees guy to lose, but there are going to be other teams that make serious plays for him. Right now, we've already heard, heard that the Nationals and the Blue Jays are connected to him. And since Robinson Cano's suspension, there's been speculation that the Mets could potentially be a team that makes a play for him. I think he ultimately gets four years and returns to playing for the Yankees, but there should be a market for him. He has been one of the 15 best position players at any spot in the sport over the last two seasons. So when a guy like that becomes available, you make a play for them. I think he ends up back with the Yankees, but I know our buddy John Heyman said the Yankees have interest in Angelton Simmons, which would lead you to think he plays short. Glaber Torres slides back to second. So I think they've maybe laid the groundwork for what the potential fallback plan would be, but obviously plan number one is keep the guy that, like you said, has been the best overall player on the team the last two years. You know, my, and I brought this up the other night, um, a couple of nights ago when I was here on the fan. Here's my dilemma with with the LeMahieu situation. And, and I'm hoping the Yankees re-sign him. I, obviously, I do Yankee play-by-play. But you're going to re-sign a guy and play him out of position. D.J. LeMahieu is a better second baseman than Glaber Torres. Andrelton Simmons, Didi Gregorius, you name it, are probably better shortstops than Glaber Torres. Luke Voigt ha- is... Well, he was the Yankee leader in, in home runs this year, RBIs, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, not a butcher at first base, a guy that played through an injury. You're going to sign LeMahieu, and if you do bring in another shortstop, Tim, you're going to play a guy out of position. I mean, he's not going to be Keith Hernandez or, you know, Don Mattingly at first base defensively. He'll cover the position. He'll play it, you know, in a competent manner. But you're putting a gold glove, legitimate gold glove second baseman at first base out of position. So you're kind of moving some some chess pieces around here that really don't end up in the, in the place where logic would tell you they should be. Yeah, but you could have made that same case two off-seasons ago when you had Torres. You knew T.D. Gregorius was going to miss the beginning of the season with Tommy John, but be back eventually and you signed D.J. LeMahieu, and on the surface it looked like maybe you didn't have a spot for him, but then D.D. missed time, and he wasn't the same player when he came back that season. So having a surplus of quality middle infielders is a good problem to have, especially when one of those middle infielders can also play first and D.H., and his bat is good enough to play at those positions. So I truly think you're signing D.J. LeMahieu, especially since he is approaching his mid-30s, for his bat. Maybe he's strong at second base now. In year three and four, that might be a different case. So 
it's a lot like Gene Segura in Philly. You sign him maybe to, or trade for him maybe to play one position, but you know at some point he's probably shifting elsewhere over the lifetime of that contract anyway. Trevor Bauer, with all his idiosyncrasies and you know as unique a guy as he is, he is one heck of a pitcher. Uh, and he is not shy on social media. We all know, uh, you know, everything that's happened with Bauer over the years. Where do you think he ends up? <laughs> that is a hell of a question because I don't think Trevor Bauer knows from minute to minute what whether he wants to sign a one-year deal, a six-year deal, whatever. My, my guess, though, is that if someone puts a six-year guaranteed contract in front of you, you're not turning that down for a one-year deal. So Trevor Bauer, like you said, even with kind of a down 2019 season, has been one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball over the last two years. He makes a lot of sense for the Mets, but uh, I think he makes sense for the Yankees. As you said, makes sense for the Phillies, but I don't think they're going to make that financial commitment. My guess is that he ends up with the Angels. He's from Orange County. that, That team just desperately needs pitching. They have an excellent lineup with Rendon, Mike Trout, ready to win right now, but they need a frontline pitcher. I think he ends up there. Baseball in itself, 2021, it's not that far away. You know, you know, Tim, now from Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year, uh, you know, the time flies. You know, there's, there's going to be a lot of speculation about free agents and, and, uh, and movement of players, but the season itself, even spring training, where do you think if this COVID thing is, and, and we, we understand that vaccines are coming, but I don't think you can, you know, put a stamp and say, well, everything's going to be fine and dandy by Valentine's Day, more or less, when pitchers and catchers report. I think we will still be battling the COVID-19 pandemic. It's not going to be over. Uh, does baseball maybe move the season to back? Do they maybe play 140 games uh, to, to maybe accommodate more time for the vaccine situation to, to prove itself to people? Uh, where are we going with baseball as we speak right now? Where do you think we end up, let's say, March 1st? It's a good question because I think, I hope, by March 1st, some semblance of the population has gotten the vaccine. But I don't know that everyone is going to have it to the point where you can have a normal spring training. So I think it would make sense to have a shorter season, especially after a 60-game season. If you go from a 60-game season to a 162-game season, there will be unprecedented amounts of pitchers that have injuries with that type of increase in workload. So I think it would make sense to shorten the season to some degree and kind of ease your way back to 162. But financially, I I would be shocked if baseball does that. So I think what we're heading for is some sort of spring training where maybe there's limits on the amount of numbers you can have in camp. Maybe you don't have the, the full amount of major and minor league camp that you normally would similar to what we saw when guys came back for summer camp last year where there's a lot less non-roster guys, and it really is just the guys you think are going to make the team or be on the team at some point that season. But we don't know. I mean, I think it's a strange situation because you feel like you see light at the end of the tunnel, but at the same time, it's undeniable things are getting worse right now. So it's hard to project what happens, and I think that that factors in to the thinking of a lot of organizations this offseason in terms of how they're going to spend. Universal DH, does it come back next year? I sure hope so. I mean, Ken Rosenthal reported this week that the two sides are going to meet in December to talk about the future of the DH in the National League. The fact that these conversations are taking place leads me to think 
there's motivation for it to return. I know there's some guys, Zach Wheeler told me that he really missed hitting. That's not like a common refrain from pitchers. It's certainly not from front offices that don't want their $100 million pitcher or $100 million pitchers batting and injuring themselves, running the bases or what have you. So I think there's motivation from both sides and the DH will become permanent. But it is just, it's so strange that you have guys like Marcelo Zuna, Nelson Cruz that are out here right now. And you're thinking, if you're a National League team, wow, we'd love to have them. But if the DH isn't here, maybe not. Certainly not in the case of Nelson Cruz. So it is unfair to National League teams that there hasn't been a decision made on this to this point. But it is what it is. Yeah, you know, Tim, the more you, uh, the more I listen to you and the more I think about it, I really do think that we could have one of these one of these free agency situations like we've had the past few years where maybe we don't see some of the bigger names sign until, you know, late into January, February, when the situation becomes more clear about possible revenue, possible games. I think this may play itself out for the next few months. I'm, I'm not really, uh, you know, optimistic that we'll start seeing signings soon because I, I think the smart play right now is to, is to wait a little bit and see where the game is going. The game itself is going to go. I think there will be guys like Yadier Molina, it seems like, may sign before the new year. So there will be some of those guys, but it'll probably be a lot more like two years ago, which was a miserable product when Bryce Harper and Manny Machado was the most anticipated free agency ever, and then they were out there for over 115 days. It was brutal to cover. It was brutal to follow. So I think we are headed more towards that, and you may even be headed with the amount of non-tenders that are likely for some guys not signing until during the season. It's going to be an interesting offseason and an even more interesting uh, negotiation to see where we end up with baseball in 2021. Tim Kelly, Radio.com Sports. Where else, Tim? Do they have to find you anywhere else? Or just yeah, go to Radio.com? Yeah, Phillies Nation, if you're into that type of thing, and uh, at mm-hmm. Tim Kelly Sports on Twitter. Timmy, thank you very much. Have a, a great Black Friday. Go spend some money. I will. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Ricky. <laughs> you got it. That's uh, that's Tim Kelly. He's he's a sharp kid. He knows exactly what he's talking about.